Good to see you all in a great day, AJ. Wonderful, wonderful music. Boy, what a good way to start our season. And um, it's good to see all of you, a good group today. I'm very excited about today that we're beginning our study of the book of John in our um, Sunday morning. And uh, we will be doing this for a long time. It'll probably take us a year, but uh, we're going to go through it at Christmas and uh, have a great, uh, great time together. I've I've been looking forward to this for a long time, so I'm really excited about it. I look forward to preaching every Sunday, but um, this this has really been a great study and a good a good time. So I hope you will bear with us and and uh, take notes and write. I, I'll tell you this this is a huge book and it's a vast book that covers so much of the life of Christ. I want to talk a little bit about it, and then I'm going to read these first three scriptures. I want you to understand who wrote it and what he's coming from and what he's saying. And I think uh, I could talk all day about about John, but I'm just going to tell you a few things that I want you to know. Uh, John was the apostle that Jesus loved. And we find him in the Gospel of John three times, and he refers to himself. He never names himself in the Gospel, but he says he is the apostle that Jesus loved. I don't know about you, but... I want to know, I want to hear from the guy that Jesus loved. And I want to hear what he has to say. So we'll get to hear from him today. Uh, John was one of the inner three of Jesus' small group. There was an inner group of disciples, and there was John and his brother James. They were the sons of Zebedee, uh, the sons of Thunder. And there was Peter. John wasn't a quiet guy. We read his writings and we see that he writes about love and he writes, uh, uh, he writes in gentle terms. But we first see John in Mark chapter 10 and he is asking Jesus to give him and his brother a special place in the kingdom of God. So they're vying for a position with each other. But after a lifetime of ministry, lifetime of service, lifetime of being together, then, then we see how John has matured. He writes about love, and he writes about Christ's love, and he writes about how Christians should love each other. And and so we really see his heart pour out. So he's known as the apostle of love. Uh, John taught in black and white terms. Um, he will contrast things. He will contrast uh, light against darkness, life and death, the kingdom of God against the kingdom of Satan, the children of God against the children of the devil, obedience versus disobedience. Uh, if we if we go to his gospel, uh, his letter of Second John, the very uh, the second small letter he wrote, he writes in in verse nine. He says, "Anyone who does not remain in the teaching about Christ but goes beyond it does not have God." Notice how he's very uh, He's, he's black and white kind of guy. The one who remains in his teaching, the one who has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, don't receive him into your home and don't say welcome. For the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil works. John believed in teaching the right doctrine. But then if you go over to First John, listen to how he says. And contrast that with this. He says, this is how we've come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need but shuts off his compassion, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, we must not love in just in word and speech, but in deed and truth. So we see John's contrast there. He's, he's, a, he's a man that loves the truth, but he, he loves the Lord. 
uh, we saw in our little bumper, which by the way, our folks did, David and, uh, and Jacob, uh, all did our little bumper. We wanted to have something to kind of bring attention to the book of John. We'll play that every week. But when we finished this, uh, we, uh, you know, the music wasn't quite right. We took it into AJ and AJ gave us this great stirring song to put beside it. So it's good. It's good to have a team of everybody that can work together. Let me tell you a few things about it. Uh, in the purpose of in chapter 20 of John, verse 31, we saw that what the purpose for the gospel is. Um, and if. See, uh, I think you got it up there. Yeah, these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you might have life in his name. That's our purpose. That's why he wrote it. That's why we want to talk about it. That's why it's so important to us. Um, the earliest known record of the book of John is a little fragment that was written about 130 A.D. And they think that the gospel was written about 90 A.D. So about 40 years later, they have a fragment of John chapter 18. There's an Egyptian, uh, 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 mostly intact version from in, in, uh, in Egyptian uh, hieroglyphics that are recorded on papyrus. And that was found in Egypt about 200 years after it was written. So uh, most folks think John wrote it about A.D. 90. In Ephesus, toward the end of his life, after a long life of ministry. The first three Gospels are known as the Synoptics. That means they're seen together. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are seen together, kind of similar. The book of John is very different, has different accounts and different different stories, different um, uh, teachings. It emphasizes. And, and the last, from chapter 11 on, in the last five days of Jesus' life, over half of the book is given just to the last the last week of his life. Um, the prologue, there's the 90% of the material we put in our little bumper that is unique to the book of John. The prologue uh, that we're going to talk about today uh, talks about Christ as the eternal existence and incarnation of God. It talks about the first miracle that talks about Nicodemus. These are all unique. They're not in the other gospels. Jesus, Jesus ministry in Judea and Samaritan. Uh, the resurrection of Lazarus, the high priestly prayer, the teachings on the Holy Spirit, the, the book the, the great, um, the great teaching on prayer and, the, and discussion on the Holy Spirit, all unique to the Gospel of John. He gives us insight that none of the other books give. All three of the other, all four of the Gospels talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000, but John's the only one to say Jesus claimed to be the bread of life. So he gives us a perspective the others don't give us. And we have the I am statements that we put up for you when Jesus made the claim. Seven of those great statements, the bread of life, the door to the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, the good, the, 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 vine, the true vine. We'll see the themes of light and dark, of love, uh, that Jesus is God, that Christ is our Savior if we believe in him. And so I want you to see in the book of John and over all of this teaching, that Christ is big enough in your life. And that's where we're going to start today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to read just three verses. We could really have camped out all day in verse 1. There's enough to say here. But we're going to cover three verses. Get through them pretty quick. And uh, I want to give you some time at the end. Um, John writes in chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Father, thank you for your word. And I just pray that you'll speak clearly to us today. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start with this idea of the word. I want you to understand that and see that. We're going to talk about it. Uh, this is the Christmas story according to John. This is his Christmas story. His Christmas story doesn't begin in Bethlehem. Everybody likes a baby at Christmas. And the baby Jesus is a wonderful image at Christmas. Even people that don't believe in Jesus like the baby because babies are cute and you just want to pick them up and hug them and love on them. But John doesn't begin in Bethlehem. He begins his story at the beginning of time, in the beginning, a long time ago. And he says that Christ is the word. And the Greek word is the word logos. Logos is an interesting term. It has a it has a Hebrew meaning, and, and to, the, to the Jewish people it would mean one thing, and to the Greeks it would mean another. You know, the Greeks like to study and talk about things and write about things. And logos was to the Greeks, it was an impersonal, abstract reason and order in the universe. In other words, uh, there was some degree of logos and order and reasoning, and one day there would be a complete reasoning and order of things as it would be revealed. Plato said that. He he said that one day he hoped that we would understand everything. It would all just kind of fall in place. Logically, it would just all fit. And maybe John knew this, but I don't know if a Galilean fisherman would have known that when he wrote this book. When he called Jesus the Logos. But the scholars would banner this word around because that was a that was a great thing for them. Um, and it is though God speaks through John and says the logos, the word, the order has now been spoken. So we're going to talk a little bit more about it from the Hebrew perspective in just a minute. But I want you to understand kind of what logos, what the word is. So John says that in the beginning was the word. So the first thing that we want to say is that Christ is big enough to trust because he's the eternal God. And the Bible says right here, in the beginning was the word. All the way back to the beginning of time. If you go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you find in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Paul, I mean, John and, and Moses began their books the same way. In the beginning, God. So back in the beginning of time, in the beginning, Christ was there. I want you to understand the eternal nature of Christ that he talks about. The, the word, the word was is as an imperfect tense. That, that means it's action ongoing. That he, Jesus was continually, he was continually in existence. It wasn't like he was created at creation. He wasn't born in Bethlehem. He was in the very beginning with God. That's amazing. Uh, this is no ordinary baby in Bethlehem. Th- this is God. And we'll, we'll see that in a minute. And again to the Logos. Now, now to the, to the Hebrews, that would mean the Word of God. So when a, when a Jewish person read this, they would say, in the beginning was the Word of God. He, he was there in the beginning. It, it wasn't written. It wasn't created. It's the full expression of divine wisdom. 
That's what the word meant to the Hebrew people. That's what it meant to them. And so John presented Christ to us as the full expression of God's word. That's what that means. So in the beginning was the word. And we know that Jesus would say that about himself. That, that he, that he would make that claim. The book of Hebrews says that he created, that, that he was there in the very beginning, and he's always been there. Listen, listen to Hebrews chapter one. In these last days, the writer of Hebrews says, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through him, through whom he made the universe. He is the radiance of his glory, The exact expression of his nature. And he sustains it all by his powerful word. That's what Paul. That's the writer of Hebrews. We don't know who that's. That's what John is describing here. The word. He was with God in the beginning. And and as a matter of fact. He sustains it as well. You might feel a little bit overwhelmed by that. I do. When I think about that. I say how far. How far. How far back does that go? It goes. All the way back. There's no time. There's no end. There's no beginning. It's eternity. And that's where he was in the beginning. So, number two, Christ is big enough to trust us because he's always been in relationship with God. Listen to this next phrase. And the word was with God. The word was with God. Now, we're going to have to have a little talk here. We're going to have to understand that God the Father... And God the Son and God the Spirit, which isn't mentioned here but is implied here, are all the same, but they're distinctly different. God the Father and God the Son. The the way the, the Greek is written and the word was with God, this with here is that they are facing each other in communication. You're not just in the room. If AJ and I are in this room together, we are with each other. But if we are standing toe-to-toe, looking and communicating and talking, that's the Greek intent here. They, he was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Two personal beings facing each other, engaged in intelligent discourse. That's what he says. He was with the Father. Um, I don't know if you've ever noticed this in the book of Genesis. And I always point, I pointed out to our class when we studied the book of Genesis. And I know you know this because you're smart folks, but maybe, maybe you don't read through it. And, and sometimes we just gloss over it. But did you notice in Genesis chapter one, all the way down in verse 26, and God said, listen to this, let us, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Oh, there's a reference. All right. I keep things in my Bible. It's all relevant. All. So, so God, Christ, and the Holy Spirit were with each other from the beginning of time. That's what John's telling us. Okay. That's really important. We got to get that. So, and then in case you missed that thought, John covers that again in verse two. He says that he was with God in the beginning. So if you miss it, he just tells you again because it's really important. And I think our minds again, we just kind of stagger at this because we say, I, I just don't understand. It's okay. You, you can. And I don't think we, I don't think a human being can understand this. Number three, Christ is big enough to trust because he is God. He is God. 
Listen to the last part. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Christ is God. There's that idea of the Trinity again. Three distinct personalities. He is God in essence and character. He is in every way also a separate person from God. Jesus did not grow into God. He was not born to become God. He was eternally God. He has been God from eternity to eternity. So one of the most concise statements about Christ is right here in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's really great stuff. And he was with God in the beginning. And so then we see this slide. And I, I want you to see this kind of this kind of summary. Uh, Jesus was always existing from all eternity as God. In perfect fellowship with God. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Though he's not mentioned, he is an eternal Christ. That's a big thing. Now number four. Christ is big enough to trust because he's a creator. This is a stunning statement that John gives us in verse 3. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created. All things were created through him. He was an agent of creation. All things were created. Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, he speaks in the, uh, in the centrality of Christ. He says, because of him, because by him, everything was created. In heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. So Christ was a creative force, and he holds it all together. So when you see the baby in Jerusalem, or in, in Bethlehem, you see a little baby in the manger, earthly parents that had nothing, you know that's the Christ, the eternal God. Who was with God in the beginning. Who is God. Who through him all things were created. And without him not one thing was created. And all things hold together. It's a powerful baby. That's a big deal. Christ is big enough to trust. Because he's a creator. He's a creator of the universe. I, 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 don't, know, I don't know how you. I don't know. This, my little mind. When I start thinking about this. And I read this, and, and I, just, I just about went blank. Um, I, I want to read it to you. How big is the universe? It's big. It's big. Um, here's what one writer said. A hundred billion stars exist. A hundred billion, with a B, exist in the average galaxy. And at least 100 million galaxies are in known theoretical space, whatever that is. Einstein believed with our largest telescopes that we can scan only one billionth with a B of space. We can only see it. A billionth of what there is out there. There are something like 10 octillion. That's 10 octillion. 10 with 27 zeros. That's a lot. It's a lot. I can't even imagine a number like that. 27 zeros. Jesus created all of it. Every bit of it. Isn't that amazing, church? The baby in Bethlehem created that. And so we can trust him with everything because he is the creator. And he holds things together. 
And you say, well, Jim, I, I don't quite follow you. Uh, Henry Ford had a friend named Charles Steinmetz. He was a mechanical genius. You know, Henry Ford invented, for you guys, I know you all know this, but he invented, I, I guess he, he put on mass production the first automobile, the Ford. And he had a production plant and... And Mr. Steinmetz, Charles Steinmetz, was a mechanical engineer who could envision things with his mind. He could envision a motor through his mind. I can't hardly see a motor and envision it. But he could envision a motor he couldn't even see. And he could make it work. And if it broke, he could find out what was wrong just by thinking through the process. So one day, one of the machines that Henry Steinmetz had made broke. And the assembly line at Ford Motor Company went down. And so the folks called Charles Steinmetz. And he came there and he tinkered around with it a little bit and took some things apart and fiddled with it. In about 30 minutes, he fixed it and it was back up and everything was running. And he sent Henry Ford a bill for $10,000. And so uh, Henry called his friend. And he said, Charles, don't you think that's a little steep? $10,000 for a little tinkering? And so Charles Steinmetz sent him another bill, and he said, tinkering, $10. Knowing where to tinker, $9,900. Isn't that great? Let me tell you something. Because Christ is the creator, he knows where to tinker in our lives. He put us together, and he was there when we were made, and he knows all about us. And he loves us, and he cares for us. And so when we have a problem in our life, he knows exactly where to go. That's why this is important to us. It's vitally important. He is our creator. And so we've got to rest in him. We have to read this passage of scripture and know that our hope is there. That's where he is. And we're going to learn so much more about Jesus. We just, we just now see his mighty, powerful attributes. But, but soon we're going to see him on earth. Loving and caring and healing and dealing with people in a personal way. So we got to know that. Let me, let me conclude. And I know this is probably a record for me to conclude at 20 minutes till 12. I know you don't believe it. I know you don't believe it. God is big enough for any task or any problem that we have. There's not any, there's not any problem. There's not any situation. There's not any illness. There's not any pain. There's not any failure. There's no sin. There's no obstacle. There's no issue that's too big for Jesus. I want you to know that. He created everything. He is God. He has been with God eternally. There is not anything that we do or that happens that surprises him. There's not anything that stumps him or confuses him. There's no issue too complex. There are no surprises. There's nothing that slows him down. Because he is God. He is capable of everything. Of any action. Of any idea. Of anything that we ask for or don't ask for. He's capable of that. And so I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else. 
please hear me. And I'm going to read it to you because I want to be careful that I say it right. And so when he does not act the way we desire or the way that we wish or the way that we desperately pray that he will, it is not because he is powerless or indifferent or unloving. Do you hear that? When he does not heal or he does not hire or he does not give us what we want and what we need, it is because God is all-knowing and he knows eternally what is best for us. You must know that. That is a matter that only God knows. And he loves us far better than we love anyone. He loves us far better than any earthly parent loves a child. He loves us better than that. He knows far better what we need than we ourselves know what we need. And he knows that this life is not the only place that life's rewards are given out. Because he is an eternal God who views us through eternity. You have to know that. You have to know that. But I want you to know this. That he loves us so much that he came to the world as a little baby to show us how much he loves us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? A God that big became that little for us. John's going to be very careful and graphic to tell us that the word became flesh. But we won't get there today. I have time, but we won't get there. And so when we know who Christ is, and we know he's always been there, and he always will be there, and we know that he is God, and we know that through him everything was created, we know that we can trust him with anything. That's what you need to know today. And that's what I pray that you get out of this scripture. The baby in the major is the God of the universe. Hear that. Have you turned your life over to him and let him run it? And said, God, whatever you need to do, I will trust you with it. Wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to learn, I will learn. However you want me to serve, I will serve. That's his call. Let me pray with you. God, thank you for your word. And I just pray that you will impress upon each of us. And there are so many folks here, many who struggle with loss and grief, who have the pain of losing someone they love. Lord, help us to trust you. That you know and you care for us more than we can imagine. And there are those here that struggle with illness and wonder why. There are those that struggle with all manner of other problems. But Lord, show us that you are in charge of those things. That you manage them from your place in heaven. Lord, impress that with us today. Teach us that we may love you and follow you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.